the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be here uh, at home. It's about uh, 24, 28 degrees, somewhere like that. So this is a heat wave. We were looking for the sunscreen a while ago. Praise God. This is summer for us, amen. But we 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 appreciate being here with you, and we uh, really uh, love Pastor Brian and Cheyenne. We just thank God for them, and of course we forgave them for stealing Kurt and Cindy from us when they came. But uh, but you, you know they walked off with whatever they could carry, and some of the stuff they couldn't. So praise God, hallelujah. So, but uh, we're glad they're they're here, and we appreciate what's going on. We're glad we can be a part of the service this morning, and. And my wife Bonnie here, of course, she spoke yesterday and heard it went good. Praise the Lord. Amen. What they really did is had her come down to minister and I just tagged along to take care of the Sunday morning service while I was here. Praise God. But let's pray and we'll get into the Word of God. Father, we thank You now and praise You for the privilege it is to open up the Word. We trust You, Lord, to give us utterance. Holy Spirit, we ask You to come minister to each and every heart of every individual. Lord, we trust You to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that in our hearts and in our minds, truth will prevail and bring us forth into a place You would have us to be. And Lord, we thank You for working with us and confirming Your mighty Word with signs following. We'll give You the glory for it now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29, we're going to look in one, one verse here, verse 18. We'll make some comments here and look at some stuff here. You know, we're talking about living with purpose is what Pastor Brian told me this was about this week. And every church has to have a purpose and every, peop, every person in that church has to have a purpose. We have to have vision. We have to have a plan. We have to have a reason for being. Amen. So in Proverbs 29:18, I'm reading out of the King James and and we'll, we'll look at some other translations down the line. But he says here in verse 18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Now notice here that the reason there has to be a vision is for people. If there's no vision, the people perish. And the trouble with the nation right now is the people are perishing because we have no real vision of what God wants to get done. And we're just kind of going about our business. And when there's no revelation, the, the Amplified says where there's no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. And you see, that's really what he's talking about when he's talking about vision. He's talking about the redemptive revelation of God. One translation says where there's no prophetic revelation. What's that mean? That means a, an, an up-to-the-minute revelation of Jesus Christ. Not a historical revelation of what He was or what He did. Not a book of Acts revelation of what the apostles did. But what is the Lord Jesus doing right now? What's He doing in people's lives now? Will the Lord Jesus save today? Will the Lord Jesus heal today? Will the Lord Jesus fill people with the Holy Ghost today? Is there miracles for today? See, there needs to be a prophetic revelation. That doesn't mean somebody coming up with a new revelation. That just means the revelation and the vision of God is renewed to this generation. Amen. See, where we get in trouble is when, when, when we, uh, we stop doing what the Word says and we try to come up with a revelation of the revelation. 
And see, there are a lot of churches today that are preaching things that are not doctrinal correct and not, not gospelly correct. And, and, and so what we find there is this. They're, they're coming up with twisting things and this and that. But when he talks about a prophetic revelation or redemptive revelation, he's talking about getting a renewed vision of the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. And it's so real that it becomes a motivation of your life. It begins to motivate you. You see, the motivation of the Lord Jesus was what caused Him to be successful in His ministry. Oh, somebody says he's the son of God. He was successful because he's the son of God. Then that means you and I can't be successful. He had to be successful as a man anointed of God. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said he laid aside all of his eternal glory. Took upon himself the form of a servant. He had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He had to grow in wisdom and stature. He had to obey the Father. He had to learn obedience through the things he suffered. And, and he went through all these things showing us how we were going to have to get a hold of what we were supposed to do. But he was successful because of his motivation. What motivated the Lord Jesus? He said, I've come to not only do the will of my Father, but to finish it and complete it. Amen? So Jesus was motivated by His vision and by His purpose and by the plan and purpose and will of God. Amen? If we want the church today to begin to be vital into the nation, and if we want to see the church begin to reach people and people to quit perishing, quit being defeated, quit being destroyed, quit living in sin, then we must renew the vision and the purpose and the redemption of Jesus Christ and stand strong in it. And it must be our motivation. We must know who we are in Christ. Amen. We have to have a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ again. We have to have a passion for the things of God. Now, the, like I said, vision there means re- redemptive revelation of God. But the word perish here, it says if you, if you don't have a vision, you're going to perish. In the Greek, the word perish here means to expose, means to uncover, means to make naked, to set it not. One translation says cast off restraints. You know what he's saying? He's saying where there is no vision, where there's no redemptive revelation of who we are in Christ, the people cast off restraints. The people expose themselves to the attacks of the enemy. They expose themselves to the false doctrines of the world. They expose themselves to false religion. They expose themselves to sin. And so he says, if we don't begin to bring forth the true redemptive revelation of Jesus Christ and the true vision of what the church is here, we expose the people to the onslaught of the enemy. Amen? And what happens is this. If there's no goal, if there's no vision, if there's no purpose to follow, what do we do? We cast off restraints. Listen, if I'm not going to... You you take an athlete, and Paul used athletics all throughout his teachings. And he talks in 1 Corinthians 9 about running a race. And everybody that runs a race, they all run it, but only one can receive the prize. So he says, don't just go out here and run a race. Get disciplined. Get some self-control and run to win. In other words, have a reason for running that race. Why? Because if I don't have a goal, then I'll exercise and jog and try to get in shape whenever. I'll cast off restraints. Amen? You see, if you remember the old Rocky movies, you know, Rocky, whenever he's first, you know, he, the first one he's out here and, and he's a club fighter and, and, you know, and he's a muscle man for the, for the, 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 the you know, the loan sharks and stuff. And then, you know, Apollo Creed picks him to fight the world championship. So what happens? Here's this guy that's not in shape, a guy that's, oh, you know, out of, out of it. He's not put any time in, not done anything. What's this guy do? All of a sudden he's up before everybody else is, drinking his special mixture of eggs and protein. Got on his old sweats and out running the streets of Philadelphia. 
And you can see all the way through that. He's growing and he's... Why? And he's ready to fight when he gets in the ring. Why? Because all of a sudden in his life, he has a vision. He has a purpose. He has a reason. Amen? And all of a sudden, that vision and purpose brings restraints. He's no longer going to go out and party and drink and do all this other stuff because he's got a goal. He's got a vision. He's got a reason for getting up in the morning. Amen. You know what what what, what Solomon's writing here in Proverbs? He's saying when the church doesn't have the vision of God, the purpose of God, the goals of God, why get up and pray? Why be in the Word? Why why get a hold of the confession? Why 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 judge yourself? Why be in church when the doors open? Why put your hand to the plow? Why see we cast off restraints. We expose ourselves then to, to the things of the world and we get defeated. We perish because of that. Amen. So God says what has to happen in the church today, if we're going to have a revival, is we have to bring forth the vision of God, the redemption of God, the plan of God, the revelation of God of who you are in Christ and what God has for you and get it into the people to the point that that vision begins to set the perimeters of our lives. See, God talks a lot of times about, about the Spirit of God as being a river. And He says, even out of your spirit flows rivers of living water. Right, well, you know, a river, if it's got embankments, is powerful. In other words, if you, if you build embankments around a river, back home we've got locks. And, you know, they use these locks because they want to, to, to you know, manipulate the river. They want to keep it up. They want to dig a, a channel in the middle. And the deeper that river is... And the more you keep it in its perimeters, you know what happens to that river? It can go down, and everywhere that river goes, in its channel, it's bringing electricity, it's bringing water, it's bringing irrigation, it's bringing life everywhere it goes. Why? Because it's got a path to follow. It's got a cause. It's got a vision. And it's being used for good. Now, what happens if you take that same river, get rid of the banks, and let it just spread out over the land? It destroys the land. It just lays there. Amen? Creates silt. And first thing you know is this, that land is useless now because that water has laid on it and ruined it and all it is good for is to be a swamp and to create pests. You know what's wrong with the church today? We have been a river that spread out over the land with no purpose, no vision, no goals, and all we've created is a bunch of pests and swamps for junk to live in. Amen? And what we're going to have to do is quit preaching spice and sugar and goody-two-shoe and do anything you want to and live any way you want to and you can live anyhow. We're going to have to get back to realizing that there are some rules that we have to live by. And Christianity is a sacrifice. Christianity is a lifestyle. Christianity is not something that you do on Sunday morning. Christianity is 24-7, living for Jesus Christ, walking in the redemption that He has for us. Amen? And not being ashamed of it. Not being bashful. Not being backward. Not being you know intimidated by the world. But standing up like the early church did and saying, what do you choose that we should do? Should we listen to you or should we listen to God? We're going to choose to listen to God. When their lives were on the line, they went to their own company and prayed and said, they didn't pray, God, get rid of the sinners, get rid of the hurt. No, no. What did they do? They went to their people, their own company, and said, God, give us boldness to stand up and proclaim Your Word. Hallelujah. Why? They had a vision. They had a purpose. They had a a revelation of their redemption in Christ. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to get back into the Word of God. Why? Because in Proverbs 29, 18, he says, But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where am I going to get my vision? From the Word of God. 
When am I going to make the Word of God my vision? When I make it a law. And you see, there's, you know, we teach about the difference in grace and the law, and I think we, we kind of take it too far. Yes, we're not under the law, but the Word of God is a law. And the Word of God will not do you any good until it becomes a law in your life. What do you mean? A working principle. Amen? You see, grace is a law. I walk in the grace of God. Favor is a law that I have to apply in my life. Faith is a spiritual law that I have to work in my life. When the Bible says that if I want to be blessed, then I have to be willing and obedient to God, I have to make that a law in my life. That means that that I have to bring my flesh under and decide I'm going to be willing and obedient to do what God's called me to do because that's how I get to the blessing. Amen? Amen? And so, if I'm going to find out my vision, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to find it through the Word of God. Amen. I'm not going to find my vision out here in the world. I'm not going to find my vision by, you know, having too many lattes. I'm not going to find my vision, amen, after I had one slice of pizza too much. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to find my vision by getting into the Word of God. Because, you see, the Word then is going to become a law to me. And I'm going to be happy. You know, the Word says that I'm not to commit adultery on my wife. And if I don't do that, and if I do what the Word says, I'm going to be happy. If I break that law, I'm not going to be real happy. Amen. The Word of God says I'm not supposed to go out and steal. You know what? If I work hard, labor, use my faith, trust God, I'm going to tell you what, God's going to meet my needs, bless me, I'm going to make it a law in my life, I'm going to live a holy life, an honest life, and I'm going to get blessed. Somewhere down the line, God's going to make up for everything, and He's going to bless me, and I'm going to be happy while I'm doing it. But if I don't make that a law in my life and just go through life, I'm never going to be happy. See, the, the reason I take the Word of God, and God says if, if I'll take the law of faith and believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, then I'll be happy because I'll have what to say. Now, if I can make that a working law in my life, you can't put me in any situation that I can't come out of. If I can have what I say, and I can speak the Word and believe that Word, you cannot put me in a situation I can't talk my way out of. Because I'm going to use the law of faith to release God's power in my situation. And I'm going to confess that word and confess that word and confess that word until it brings me out. Amen. And I'm not doing it by feeling. I'm not doing it because it's the end thing. I'm doing it because it's a spiritual law that I'm doing. And if I do what the word says and make it a law in my life, I will be happy. Amen. Now, when you break the law, you have to have mercy. Amen. It's just like this. I, I, I was, you know, I was driving. I had to be in a meeting. I was meeting with a, a church down in southern West Virginia, about about two hours from me. And I was having to meet with their their church board and help them through some problems. And and, and so uh, I was driving my car and I had a CD player. And, you know, I was listening to a, a teaching tape, and and, and I had uh, uh, some notes out and and my Bible. And, and and I'm going along and I'm just listening to this message. And I'm going on 65 mile an hour road. And I'm just cruising along. I can tell you how, how caught up I was in thinking about what we were going to do, listening to the Word, and watching the road. I went by a state policeman at 80 miles an hour. And didn't see him. He wasn't in a marked car. He was in a, you know, just driving a plane and, and stuff. And I, I just went right around him, you know. 
And, and I didn't recognize till the lights were on. And he pulls me over and he goes, you know how fast you were going? I said, no, I thought I was doing about 70 or so. He says, 80. He says, you know, when you pass a state policeman in 80 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone, you get our attention. I said, yeah, I guess I did. I said, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm guilty. And I said, and, and the tape was still on. It was actually, it was Brother Hagen tape. And I, and I, I flipped the CD off and, and, and everything. And he says, where are you going? I told him the church. He goes, you a preacher? I said, yeah. <laughs> he goes, where are you from? And I told him where I was from. I think he recognized me maybe because we're on radio and do stuff around there and, and stuff. And so he went back and he came back and he says, Pastor Huffman, I'm going to give you a, a warning. He said, slow down. I said, just slow down. He said, don't pass us. <laughs> Doing 15 miles an hour over. The See, now, you know, I was breaking the law. And I needed mercy because I'm going to tell you, if he had written me a, che- a, a speeding ticket, I would not have been happy. There's a, you know, you're happy when you, you know, if you ever driven by and seen somebody pulled over and you look at your speedometer and you run the speed limit and you were happy you run the speed limit, the law was working for you. It was, it was, it was setting perimeters for you. Why? To keep you happy. And that's the same way the Word of God is. You have to get into the Word of God. And you have to make it a law that works in your life. And when you begin to look at this word as a pathway to blessing, because John writes in 1 John 5 and he says, the word of God, the commandments of God are not grievous or burdensome. And when you begin to look at this word as a way to get to where you need to be, the laws in this word will get me healed. The laws in this word will get me prosperous. The laws in this word will bring peace. The laws in this word will cause me to have a successful marriage. The laws in this word will cause me to be an overcomer when everybody else is failing. The laws in this word will give me victory while the rest of the world's in defeat. It'll get me where I need to go. Amen. And it'll keep me safe. And it'll give me purpose for getting there. And I become a river for God. I become a, a life-giving source for God. And everything I touch gets blessed because I'm operating in the place where God wants me to operate. As long as that river is doing what it was created to do, staying in its embankments and following the course it was supposed to do, it doesn't just bless one town or one city. It blesses farms. It blesses cities. It blesses towns. I mean, until it it gets to its destination, it's a blessing everywhere it goes. Why? Because it's following the vision that God had for it. And when we get a hold of what God has for us and we begin to live that goal, live that vision, live that purpose, and then get in the Word and find out how to make it work, we're going to be happy and blessed. Happy and blessed. Now, here's the thing you've got to look at. If we take the Amplified where he says, where there is no redemptive revelation, the people perish. What do you mean redemptive revelation? What you've been redeemed from, what you've been redeemed into, and what you've been redeemed for. You understand that? There's three things to redemption. Number one, what have I been redeemed from? See, if I don't have a redemptive revelation of what I've been redeemed from, I'm going to walk around here defeated because I'm going to begin to swallow the old hook and line and sinker of I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I was an old sinner. I got saved by grace, became a new creation. Hallelujah. See, I'm not a sinner. I may mess up, but I'm not a sinner. I don't have the nature of sin anymore. Why? God redeemed me out of the nature of sin. See, my redemption means Jesus purchased me from sin. Amen. Amen. You and I need to get a revelation. We're not a part of the devil's kingdom. 
Colossians 1 says in verses 12 and 13 that we're to thank the Father every day and praise Him for qualifying us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Why? Who hath delivered us from the powers of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Amen. I'm no longer under the power and the authority of the devil. Romans 6 says sin no longer has dominion in my life. You need to get a hold of that. The devil is not your Lord. The devil is not the final word in your life. The devil cannot make you do anything. Amen. Amen. I don't belong to him. I'm redeemed from sin. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from the devil's power. I'm redeemed from destruction. I am redeemed from sickness and disease. I am redeemed from sin. Amen. Amen. But it's not enough just to know what you've been redeemed out of. Thank God, you know, you get an old dirty bottle, you can wash it and clean it up, and it's useful now, but it's still empty, isn't it? So what do I need to do? I need to not only know what I've been redeemed out of, but what have I been redeemed into? Amen? I've been redeemed into the blessing of Abraham. Glory to God. I've been redeemed into righteousness with God. I walk in right standing with God. I'm His favorite. But you know the good news? You're His favorite too. Hallelujah. Amen. I've been redeemed to into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. I've been redeemed into a right standing with God. I've been redeemed into the blessing of healing. I can be healed if my body gets attacked for sickness and disease. Because health is a privilege of, of the redemption. Amen. I've been redeemed into prosperity. Glory to God. I remember Bonnie and I, we were, it was in 1977, and, and we were driving back from uh, Cookville, Tennessee, going back up to a little town called Rocky Mount, Virginia, where we were staying at the time, and, and we were looking to go to Rama. I'd finished uh, college, and we'd moved back up to Virginia, where she'd lived, and uh, we were driving along, and, and a friend of mine had gone to a, a Word of Faith church and gotten hold of a a list of healing scriptures. And I fought sickness all the time. And so I can remember, you know, uh, I was saved. We were out witnessing. We were winning people to Jesus, bringing them to our church, getting people saved. The pastor called me and bought his spark plugs. And so, you know, we were just we were just excited for the Lord. And we were praying about going to Bible school to finish college. And I want to go to Bible school and train for the ministry. And I meditated on all those healing scriptures for about three days and memorized them where I could quote them. And we were driving along in our little 1970 Ford Pinto with more chicken wire on it than original metal. Hallelujah. <laughs> Duct tape and all. And we were cruising along, and, 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 I, and I actually yelled at her. Because, you see, even with the windows up, it sounded like the windows were down because of the, of the roar in the, in the car. But I was driving along, and I said, I'm not going to be sick anymore. She said, what? I said, I'm not going to be sick anymore. She goes, that's good. I said, no, it ain't good. It's the Word. I said, according to the Word of God, I'm redeemed from sickness and disease, and I'm not going to be sick anymore. And you know, it's 1977. I got attacked. I guess the devil got tired of hearing me say that. I got attacked a few years ago, and, and he hit me with a, an inner ear and knocked me down. And they told me it would be about three months before I could get back in the pulpit and about six months before I could get recovered. In three weeks, I was back up preaching the Word of God. And I had no lingering symptoms. It was all healed and run off and totally healed without medication or anything else because I practiced the Word and Jesus healed me. Amen? Because of the revelation. But we were still, you know, we got a revelation of healing, but we were still so poor we couldn't pay attention. 
Amen. And so, you know, I was at Rama, and, and we're going through class one day and Bob Yandian, who pastors Grace uh, Church out there in Tulsa. Now, he was a teacher at Rama. And, 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 and Bob said, you know, he said, we're sitting in class. It's, it's first part of January. Still have my little pinto. He said, you know, if you're willing and obedient, you can eat the good land. Brother Hagen been teaching on the redeemed from the curse. And it just came. He said, now, if you're in the perfect will of God, doing what God's called you to do, even if you're a student, you can prosper. Because you're in God's perfect will. Wherever you're at in God's perfect will, obeying Him, you can trust God to prosper you. I tell you, I almost ran around the building. Hallelujah. I went home and told Bonnie, we're not going to be poor anymore. Hallelujah. Because i got a revelation of prosperity now. See, you, you learn what you're redeemed into by getting in the Word. Amen. And so we began to prosper. And we, we started off, praise God, we haven't, you know, uh, always had a whole lot of money, but we've always had prosperity. Somebody says, what, what are you talking about? I thought money was prosperity. No, prosperity is the ability to believe God in whatever situation you're in to meet your needs. And from the time we got the revelation, God has prospered us and taken care of us and blessed us. Why? Because we got the river in its embankments of the Word of God, and all of a sudden it started bringing blessing to us. Amen? So we begin to find out what we're redeemed into, and when we find out what we're redeemed into, we begin to apply it in our lives and walk in it. Amen? But then you've got to learn what you're redeemed for. Amen? See, you were not just redeemed from sin. And you were not just redeemed into righteousness so you could live for Jesus and go to heaven someday. I mean, if your purpose for getting saved was for you to go to heaven someday, then the pastor that baptized you should have done you a favor and held you under until you quit bubbling. And you would have been spared a whole lot of problems. And you could, we could have sent you on to heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Blessed you and let you fulfill your purpose. But no, since you didn't get held under until you quit bubbling, there must be some other reason for getting you saved than just getting you to heaven. Amen? Amen? Amen. So look over in Ephesians chapter 2. That's what we want to look into. Ephesians, the second chapter. The Apostle Paul writing here to the church says it like this. He says in verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Glory to God. We're saved by grace through faith. We get faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that grace comes in us and we're saved. Amen? So grace becomes a gift in our life. Faith becomes a gift in our life. And then notice he says, You're not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, couldn't save myself. Had to trust in the Lord. Had to have faith in Him. And then look what he says in Ephesians verse two, chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Look at that. We are His workmanship. We're His creation. His handiwork. He took personal time in each and every one of us. And it says, And He created, we are created in Christ Jesus under good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The Amplified says it along the lines of, He says that God has prearranged a life for us. Prepared for us works that we are to accomplish. You know what he's saying there? He's saying when you got saved, God had a purpose in mind for you. God had a plan for your life. God has gifts for you and talents for you. He didn't just save you, folks. Listen, nobody is a mistake in the kingdom of God. God created in you 
purposefully certain things He wants to accomplish in your life. And you know what happens whenever you find those things and you begin to find your purpose, you find your vision, you find your revelation, you become happy. Why? Because you've got a reason to get up in the morning. You've got a reason to read your Bible. There's a reason you pray. There's a reason you do what you do. There's a reason you act like you act. You see, folks, there's a reason I'm here today. I'm not just here to, to just preach. My Lord, I could be preaching back home. I, I can preach, you know, seven days a week if I want to. But I'm here for a purpose. I'm fulfilling what God's called me. I believe in this man. I believe he's been called here. And I believe he's here to help build a, a church that's going to shake this area. But it's not just to be another church. It's not just to be a place where people come and they go about their own business. This this church has to have a vision. has to have a purpose. And that, that vision and purpose has to, to, to bring the kingdom of God God into this region, bring the power of God into this region, bring the revelation of Jesus Christ and the redemption so that the hurting and the lost and the sick, they can find a place where they know God can reach down and touch their lives. But it is also to bring people in, get them saved, fill the Holy Spirit, and release in you the purpose for your life. Amen. Amen. The purpose for your life. I want to speak into you. See, Paul, when he would go to places, he said, I've, I'm going to impart a gift to you. I'm, I'm coming to put something in you to help you do what God's called you to do. I'm not here to help me. I'm here to help you. I'm here to sow into you some revelation, to impart some truth. I'm not just here to give you a few Scriptures. I want to impart the life of these Scriptures. I want to speak into your life. I want you to begin to say, wait a minute, there's more to me than meeting my eye right now. There's more to my walk with God than, than what I realize. I can have more. God has a plan for my life. God has gifts for my life. God has, has a purpose for my life. There's a calling upon my life. And when I say calling, I, let me qualify that. doesn't mean everybody's called to stand in the pulpit and preach. But everybody is called of God to do something in His kingdom. Paul said in Ephesians 4, he said that when Jesus was raised up from the dead, He, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says that, that God has given everybody a measure of faith and, and every person in the church, in the body of Christ, has been given different gifts and different abilities and faith to make those things work. Amen. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, listen, he says the, the, the church is not an eye, it's not a hand, it's not a foot. He said it's everything put together. It's a body. And everybody's called to function. And what, what we have to come back to is this. If Jesus is Lord, and Jesus saves us, and we can't do it ourselves, and if the Lord Jesus saves us, and when He saves us, He saves us with, a, with something in mind, a purpose in mind for us to do, then our responsibility, if we're going to accept His salvation, should be then to find out what He saved us out of, what He saved us into, and what He saved us for. Amen? Amen. So many Christians are not happy today because they, got, they know what they got saved out of. Thank God I'm not going to hell. I'm not a sinner anymore. Hallelujah. Live for God best I can. And they just float through life with no purpose. Then others, they get a hold of. Ooh, hallelujah, I've been redeemed into the blessing of Abraham. And all the time, they're all the time selfish. They're just wanting more money. More car, more clothes, more things, more this, more that. And all they're using their faith for is to put a blessing in their life. Now, there's nothing wrong with being blessed. God wants you blessed. 
But you ought to understand what those blessings are for. Amen? Why would God want you to be blessed? So you can be a blessing. Read the whole Bible. God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 and said, I will make you a blessing. I will bless you and make you a blessing. Amen? Amen? You're going to, you're going to be a, uh, an outreach of Jesus Christ. And so what am I going to have to do to do that? I have to find out my purpose. What am I called to do? In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, the Bible says that the Lord places us in the church where it pleases Him. You know what that means? That means the Lord will put you in a church body where He can release in your life the giftings and the anointings and the purpose of God for your life. Amen? I believe it's important where you go to church. I do. Brother Norval Hayes, we, we had the privilege of ministering for Brother Norval Hayes. I don't know if you all know Brother Norval or not, but I, I spoke at his camp meeting a couple of times, and he's been up with us. And, and, and Brother Norval was always, you know, known for saying, you know, people say, glory be to God, it doesn't matter what church you go to. If you want to die, you can go to any church. Amen. But if you want to live, you've got to go to God's church. Amen. Right. Amen. 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 Because he, he's, he talked about his mama. He said, you know, she went to the church that they, that they was a part of and said, you know, 30 years of age, somewhere in that area, she died of cancer. And they helped her die and prayed her right into heaven. Because they didn't believe in healing. He said, it was a good church to get you saved. And it's a good church to get you into heaven. But it surely wasn't a good church to get you in victory while you was on the way. See, I want, I want to tell you, that there was a reason I went to Rama Bible Training Center. Because I, I was in Cookville, Tennessee, uh, the, you know, with a friend of mine I went to college with, played ball with, and, and he was getting married. So we were in his wedding. So we were down there that evening in a hotel. We turned on the TV, and, and, and there was Kenneth Hagin on the Praise the Lord BTL, giving his testimony. And Bonnie and I had been praying. It was in June of 77. Bonnie and I had been praying. About we we knew we were called to ministry. We had been ministering as a youth minister and wanted to go into the ministry full time. Didn't know anything what to do. And I said, Lord, I'm I, I'm I'm looking. Show me where I'm to go. How am I? What am I supposed to have? And we saw Brother Hagen share his testimony. And I I stood up. And I said, Glory to God. I don't know what that man's got, but whatever he's got, I got to get some of it. Because I wasn't raised in charismatic, full gospel, Pentecostal, or anything. I, you know, we, we were raised Southern Baptist, and we didn't talk about the anointing in our church. We had a good church. Don't, I don't put anybody down. Thank God for the Southern Baptists. Amen. Amen. We had a great, great relationship with our pastor and left there in good, good standing with him. Praise God. Was licensed with him when we, when we left him. Amen. But, but, you know, there was more. I, I just said, there's more. There's got to be more. And Brother Hagin, what I realized, it was the anointing. And the revelation of, of the Word. And the revelation of who we are. And whenever He'd speak, it'd stir me. Hallelujah. And, and, and whenever, he, whenever he, he went on to be with the Lord, a couple of us had the privilege of being there with the family. And, and, and we were talking. And one of them said, you know, uh, he, he, he just changed my life. And I said, what He did for me was this. I said, my Christianity, my level of Christianity went up because I was around Him. I said, because of his life and because of what he spoke into me and what he showed me, my level of living for Christ was much higher than it may have been if I hadn't got to know the man. He imparted things to me. You know, this is the thing you've got to understand. That's why you've got to be in the right church. You've got to be in the right place. Because, you see, you've got to know more than what you're redeemed out of. 
You got to know more than what you're redeemed into. You got to know what you're redeemed for. And you got to get someplace where that can be released in your life. That's what anchor faith has got to become. It's, this church has to become a church where people come in and discover who they are in Christ and discover what they're supposed to do in Christ and get passionate about it. Because you see, I'm going to tell you, the thing that's hurting America's churches is a lack of passion. We, we, we've got to be passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to out-talk the sinner. We've got to, we've got to be more bold for our God than the world is for its. And you can't do that if you don't know why you're here and what you're supposed to be doing. And that's why it's so important to feed into the Word. And that's why it's so important. See, there's two ways you're going to, to find out your gifting. Number one, you're going to study the Word of God and search the Scriptures yourself. Paul wrote to Timothy saying, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show yourself approved. Amen? You spend time. You search the Scriptures. You find out what God says. But then also, Ephesians 4.11 and 12 says that God set ministry gifts the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher in the church to, to do what? To equip and perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. To perfect the saints. To equip the saints. You, you need to be someplace where somebody is perfecting you and equipping you and speaking. That's why we have church, folks. We don't have church just to take up Sunday morning. Amen. We have to come together and it's got to be a revelation. When we leave, we have to have such a revelation of Jesus in our life and such a revelation of who we are in Christ and a revelation of our purpose that when we leave this place today, that we go out knowing that, God, You've got Your hand on my life. There's a reason for me being here. I'm not a mistake. I'm an on-purpose believer. Hallelujah. And I'm valuable and precious to the kingdom of God. And God, I'm going to find out what my gifts are. I'm going to find out what my abilities are. I'm going to find my place in the body of Christ. And I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. Amen. Brother Hagin tells a story about how he, when he was pastoring in early days, he said he'd have to help clean the church because, you know, it was a you know, smaller church, one-room church. And, and he said, you know, some of the people volunteered, but they didn't do it quite like he wanted it done. So he'd go over on Saturday night and clean it. And make sure it was ready for Sunday morning. And so he said he was doing a week's revival. And he said, my God, I'm going to get back in town about 12 o'clock on Saturday night. He said, I better run by the church and make sure it's clean so before I go on home. So he said he ran by the church. He said, turn on the, the sanctuary lights. He said, we'll just shine. He said, man, it just, whew. He said, this is the best it's ever looked. Turned the lights off, went on home, got up the next day, came to church, said, preach the message. While he was dismissing service, had a gentleman in the church. Just smiled, just beaming all the way through the service. He said, after the service, he's shaking hands with people and said, the fellow came up and said, uh, Pastor Hagen? He said, yeah. He said, how'd you like it? How'd it look? And Brother Hagen said, what look? What, 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 what look like? He goes, the church. He said, well, it looked good. He said, I cleaned it. He said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, you know, you've been preaching about serving the Lord. And he said, I'm uneducated. I, I can't read real good, and I don't speak real well in front of people, and I, I can't teach and preach like everybody else, can't do a, uh, some class. He said, and I was walking past the church, and I, my heart was just breaking. Lord, I want to li- do something for you. Surely there's something I can do. And he said, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, you know, you can clean the church. Amen. He said, what a great blessing it'd be to the pastor if you'd take that over and just take care of it and do it as unto me. He said, so I got the key and came over here yesterday while you was gone. He said, man, I just prayed in the Spirit and cleaned this place and did it as unto the Lord. And God bless me. What's it look like? Brother Hagin said, it looks great. He says, if you don't mind, I'd like to have that as my ministry. Brother Hagin said, here's the key, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 
And he said, you know, this fellow walked off just to praise God. See, happy is he. When you find your place and you begin to walk in that, happy, it brings joy. And Brother Hagin said, you know, he said, that, that, that old boy, he said, he's going to get blessed just like the greatest preacher. Because God doesn't reward positions, he rewards faithfulness. He began to be blessed. Amen. Let me give you one more scripture and we're going to close this this morning. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Let me show you how this works. Luke chapter 1, we're going to pick it up, verse 35. This is uh, Mary receiving the visitation of the angel. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So Mary is receiving the impartation, the impregnation of the Son of God by the Holy Spirit. So she is, she's being impregnated by the power of God. And then the angel says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month in her who was called barren. In other words, she, your, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant now with John the Baptist. John was six months older than the Lord Jesus. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from him. In other words, Mary said, I accept that, I receive it. According to the Word of God, I receive God's will in my life. So now Mary's walking in the will of God, the anointing of God, and the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Now look what happens. And Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. In other words, she spoke out to Elizabeth. Now look what happens. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she spake out with a loud voice. Now what happened? Elizabeth has been impregnated too. But, you know, this implies a little bit that John hasn't moved in six months. She's been carrying this baby on the inside of her. And she can, you can tell she's getting pregnant, but she hasn't felt a lot of movement. But the very moment that Mary speaks to her, the baby inside of her leaps. Amen. And then she's full of the Holy Ghost and she begins to speak. Now, what am I saying? The reason you need to be in an anointed church where the Word is being preached and the power of God is moved is because when the minister of God, who is called of God, anointed of God, speaks out by the revelation of God, it will make the vision in your womb begin to jump and leap and it will fill you with boldness and it will put the anointing in your mouth and you'll begin to speak out for God and you'll bring forth what God has imparted to you. Amen. Elizabeth needed Mary to speak into her vision so that her vision could be birthed forth too. Amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. A lot of Christians are running around with, with their pregnant life. They're saved. And God put in you gifts and abilities, but it's just there. But what you've got to do is you've got to be around the anointing where the Word is being spoken. And when the man of God or the woman of God speaks, it causes your vision to leap. You begin to see yourself bringing forth. You begin to speak out what God has for you. See, I'm not here today to just 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 preach. I want I want your vision to leap on the inside of you. I want you to get hungry and say, God, what kind of baby have you put in my spirit? What what's what's this vision in me? What's this purpose in me? Amen. What's the plan of God in me? And as you hear the word, it causes it to jump. Hopefully, while I've spoke to you this morning and ministered to you this morning, things such as faith and revelation and purpose 
And I can do all things through Christ. And God, you got a plan for my life. I'm going to get a hold of it. It's beginning to rise up on the inside of you. You begin to believe you can do things. You begin to believe that you're important. You begin to take ownership of the vision of God in your life. And you begin to say, now, Lord, use us. And now, Lord, use me. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Hallelujah. I want you to take a moment and bow your heads with me. And I want you to just pray right where you're at. And I want you to ask yourself, am I doing what God's called me to do? Have I got a purpose? Have I got a vision? Is, is the, the, the revelation of Jesus real in my heart, in my life? God, am, am I searching for my purpose? Am I searching for my gifts? Am I, am, am I releasing the things in me? Every one of you. If you're not saved, which I won't take for granted any time at, God has a salvation plan for you. If you are saved,